Hello and welcome to Big Ideas, a podcast from Texas State University. I'm your host, Dan Seed from the School of Journalism and Mass Communication. I'm excited to have my next door office neighbor, Dr. Ali Forbes, on the show this month. Ali is an assistant professor in the School of Journalism and Mass Communication. With a deep background in sports, she played college basketball before working as a sports broadcast producer in TV and radio, both in Canada, which is where she's from, and the United States. Ali teaches studio production, live sports production, and media and society here at Texas State and researches some really cool stuff like sports video games, esports, and ethics and diversity in sports journalism. She's joining us to discuss her research on the video game NBA 2K, which has led her to writing a book about the popular video game and how it intersects with issues and topics in sports and society. Dr. Ali Forbes, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Dan. I am thrilled to be invited. And so before we get into the game and the research and all that in the book, tell us what drew you from the time you were little, I would imagine, to sports and then ultimately making sports your your professional path. I would say I was probably born in pretty close proximity to sports. I come from a pretty sporty household. Uh, My mom played college basketball and my dad was on the football team. And so I don't think I ever remember a time where sports wasn't some type of part of my life. When I started to work in communications, some of my opportunities were in, you know, marketing and those types of things. But I always knew that I wanted to find a way into sports. So I got, you know, creative and somewhat lucky in my mid-20s to be able to pair my professional experience with my personal passion. And yeah, I've been working in live sports production and all the things that you mentioned since. What have you enjoyed the most about working in sports? Like you've done so much, the the production end and of course coaching and as an athlete, like what what experiences really stand out to you? Well, that is a very tough question, especially right at the beginning here, Dan. I'd really have to rack my brain. I mean, I would have one in coaching and one as a college athlete and probably multiple in broadcasting, but I would say the common thread is I'm very curious And so I want to learn whatever is next, even if it means I've got to slow down to acquire a new skill set. And so I think I would say that my favorite experience will, I never know it when I'm in them. It's always looking back. So I really do enjoy the live broadcast production. I started my career in the newsroom at SportsCenter. And so I didn't really, when you think, oh, I want to work in sports media and, and sports coverage, You don't think about the difference between being in a newsroom versus actually being on location. And then, you know, when you're in the middle of the night clipping baseball games that you're not particularly invested in in a newsroom, you realize, you know what, not only do I want to work in sports, but I want to work in live sports or sports on location. And so I would say when I was able to kind of finally crack into live production of of actual games, that's probably my favorite, but that's, I've had a lot of those experiences too. So I don't know if I kind of cheated there. With my no, answer. no, no, that works because it does explain because for a lot of our listeners, they don't know what goes into it in terms of making a career in television at large and sports television as well. And like you said, you start off with these kind of low level jobs and it's like at that moment, you either decide I really, really like this or no, this isn't for me. And so walking through your career and your time when you did work in, in television sports, Give our listeners a sense of what that's like. 
So I actually got my first opportunity, I would say, in this industry out of an internship. So I'm a strong supporter of students trying to get those internships, create networks for themselves, you know, grow their skill sets on location. So I was a uh, basically an intern for TSN 1050, which is TSN's radio station, uh, ESPN radio station. They share a studio wall with Sports Center. So when my internship was up, I was already familiar with the hiring manager at Sports Center. So I moved to Sports Center as my first job in the industry full time and started as a highlight editor, which meant I would watch a game and I would clip all the highlights for the game and I would write a little narrative and basically what you would see the Sports Center uh, anchors do when they tell you about the baseball game last night. I was in the Toronto market, so obviously a lot of Raptors, Blue Jays, Maple Leafs, um, some CFL as well. And so then I went from there to uh, Troy University, where I started working both as a producer and a color analyst for men's and women's basketball on ESPN. After two years in Troy, I ended up at Arizona State University, where I was studying my PhD, but I also taught the live production for sports class. So we use students in our class to produce all the live streams on the Pac-12 Plus Network, myself and my co-instructor, Mark Rita, who is you know, very, very helpful for me growing my skill set. He has a ton of experience in the Phoenix and the LA markets. And so I really attribute a lot of my success in live broadcasting to my, the time I spent learning from Mark. And then I arrived here at Texas State. And as you mentioned, Dan, here I teach courses in video production, sports production, and media and society. And one area that you touched on when we talked about your interest in sports from the time you were little through college was your curiosity, that, that you're just a curious person. I mean that in a good way, that, that you know, not odd, but that you were curious <laughs> about the about the world around you. And your experience, the, or the, the interest that you have, the stuff that you teach, goes beyond the hands-on stuff. Um, and your research interests do as well. What led you to those research interests like video games and esports and, and the dynamics that happen socially and culturally within sports? Well, I wear the curious person hat both ways proudly. So I'll just say that. <laughs> uh, but I think what really led me to being curious is I'm, I'm really interested in people. I come from a small town in a small province in on the east coast of Canada that when I was growing up there was not particularly diverse. So when I started playing basketball, you know, in Niagara Falls, just outside of Toronto, and I'm meeting folks from all over Ontario, all over Canada, you know, playing on my team, traveling with these folks, I started to realize that I, there was a lot that I didn't know about the world and a lot about people that I didn't know. And I felt both ill-equipped to, you know, have difficult conversations or I wanted to ask questions, but I wanted to do so respectfully. And sometimes that's tricky. You need to find folks that you can trust who understand that you're coming from a place of curiosity and wanting to understand. And so right. I say, especially then moving to the United States, I mean, I was in a small town in Alabama. So starting to understand how some of those social dynamics are still at play, I think really lit a curiosity in me about where we are socially, you know, and then tying it to basketball, obviously NBA 2K, it's, that's at least the area that I am familiar. I'm comfortable in basketball culture. I understand the language. And so, yeah, it was both because of a curiosity and what a, a skill that I wanted to grow, but also trying to tie it to something that's more familiar to me. And that's how we ended up here. 
in sports, of course, you know, have often been for a long time at the forefront of those kind of issues that you're talking about, right? We can go all the, the way back. I'm not going to go through a history lesson, but, you know, Jackie Robinson, Title IX, where sports have kind of paved that way for changes in larger society. So it's a great place to look when you're talking about how we understand the world around us is to start in the locker room and in these other these other areas. Yeah, and as a woman who works in live production for sports and as a woman who's coached men in college, you know, I sometimes occupy those different, I don't, curious <laughs> positions, I guess you would say. And, you know, as a result, I it, know- it, it, is, it is rare. I mean, it, it's not a common thing. I worked in sports and it's your- it's 10 to one mm -hmm. men. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd say almost sometimes a hundred yeah, to one. Yeah. hundred to one. And so as a result, you know, I, it, I identify with wanting to kind of create space for folks who haven't tr traditionally been represented. So that isn't only specific to video games. That's not only specific to sports media, just generally speaking, I want to help folks create, I want to help the most amount of folks create worthwhile experiences for themselves, you know, and there are lots of folks in sports who, you know, may be represented on the field, but are not necessarily represented in, in the folks who cover those folks on the field. And that's something that I feel very passionate about. Part of the reason why I wanted to move it into video games is because when I got to my PhD, I realized I am not particularly interested in going back and doing a deep dive on like what we've already done. I don't want to compete with other scholars for, you know, reinventing any particular theory or wheel, if you will. But I do want to start to look forward and maybe do research that can have an impact that, you know, helps folks out. Now, that sounds very aspirational and it's a lot more complicated than just being able to like wake up with an idea and change the world. <laughs> but I would, you know, some of the patterns that we're seeing in sports, if we're starting to see those patterns in esports and video games, maybe we can start to talk about that more, more early and often and start to change the curve on how those folks are being treated in those spaces. And, and for people out there that may be saying, well, video games, video games aren't real, right? But that is that's the next step. That's the big next step in the sports industry, sports broadcasting, ESPN invested heavily in esports and whatnot. We even see it in the television production that we see now, like for example, golf, right? They have the, the ball tracers and the strike zones and baseball. All of that stuff is stuff that we've seen in video games forever, but now it's become kind of moved into that television side. So getting into the video games, before we get into the research, one quick question. What's the first sports video game you remember playing? And what's your favorite sports video game? I guess, and I don't want to give you some like philosophical answer here, Dan, <laughs> but I guess it kind of depends on how you define sports. You know, like some folks would say that Pong is a tennis game, you know, and so, but cool. I would say as far as like the way that we conceptualize sports video games now, I would say the closest thing was back in Nintendo days when you had like the running pads. Oh yeah, sure. Nintendo NES, you know, yeah. and so I say that, and then, you know, Duck Hunt was all, yeah. so it's like, we're at Texas State University, so we, you know, the hunting thing, I would say Duck Hunt was probably one of the most, er, the earliest sports video games, if you will. Some of my favorite, I, I loved NBA Street. NBA Street was one that I was really, great game. 
Yeah, that was came out when I was, you know, early high school. So I was still really into video games. And yeah, NBA Street was probably one of my my favorite. I love that they had those big old heads. So you could mm -hmm. like really see them before the graphics were, you know, I felt like the graphics there were ahead of their time. So I would say that was probably my one of my favorites. Yeah, for, for sure. I, I remember that game. Your interest or your research here focuses on NBA 2K for those that are not familiar. It's a video game series that first launched in 1999. It allows players to create a player and complete a career or run an NBA franchise. And it's played by millions of users around the globe. Of course, now, like all the video games, it's segued into the online online world. And you started doing this or looking at this game, as you mentioned, when you were working on your PhD at Arizona State. So why NBA 2K? And then can you walk us through the research that you've done into the video game? What are some of the highlights of that? Sure. Well, one of the first things I think a good PhD program is going to tell you is that if you came here with a very rigid idea of what your you know, uh, dissertation was about, the goal is that that changes a bit over time. You know, anybody that that's the whole point of research, right? You want to start to explore something. And so I was paying attention to the world around me in my first year of the PhD program, trying to look for something that I felt like I could attach to, that I could be curious about for longer than a semester. And that's a kind of a tricky thing to do. It's, it's almost like, you know, committing to a partner in a way, because you're saying, you know, I can do this thing for extend and build off of it and make a career out of it. And the world is kind of your oyster, right? So it's a, it's a, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's a sense, sensitive is not the right word. It's a complicated process, I guess, to try to figure out what this is going to be. And so one thing that really stuck with me is I was at a, a great journalism mass communication school at Arizona State University. And one thing that really stuck with me was I had heard about video games starting to become a part of this mass communications conversation. Now, I don't know that there was a ton of faculty members who were doing video game research, but I knew that it was mostly inside of the bounds of this kind of genre that I had to choose from. And then in real honesty, Dan, one night, one we had, there was eight of us in our cohort and one of my fellow classmates who was very soft-spoken, quiet, lovely PhD student, Wei Wen, she was missing from class one night. And when you go to school with some folks for four hours a day, four times a week, you kind of have a tendency to have patterns and behavior. Like, I always knew this one was going to come in late and this person was going to open their snack on the break. And so for Wei Win to be missing, it was peculiar. And so I asked at the break if anyone knew where Wei Win was. And one of our other cohort members said, oh, she must be sleeping it off from being up all night playing Call of Duty, which for anybody who's listening that doesn't know is a very, probably one of the most violent video games on the market today. And Dan, for weeks... I just sat across the table from Wei Win, trying to calibrate the person that I knew well at this point oh. in our lives with this violent video game player. And so when I realized that I was especially interested in trying to make those two things match, I decided that I wanted to move it at least into a space where I felt most comfortable. I knew there wasn't a ton of literature on NBA 2K. And, you know, that was six years ago. And I have really enjoyed the deep dive that I've been doing ever since. And again, we're joined by Dr. Allie Forbes from the School of Journalism and Mass Communication. And one of the things that, that you're talking about there, how you've got this person that you think you know, and then 
they're another person in this world of the video games fits in really well with, with NBA 2K or these sports games where I can create a guy. I'm not a big person, not particularly strong or fast, but I can create a character that is all of those things, right? Be it a football game, baseball game, whatever. But there's also that component, particularly in NBA 2K, right? Where you have a league that is a vast majority African-American and Black, and you have video game players who are largely white males creating players that don't look like them, but rather look like the African-American players in the game. That um, Is that kind of the connection that, you, that you're working with there? Yeah, I would say there. that is certainly a lot to unpack with what you've said. And you're right. That is definitely some of kind of the motivations. I would say especially some of the original motivations. In short, I wanted to understand if and why white male video game players were creating black avatars in NBA 2K to be able to, you know, live out this experience of being drafted to the NBA. I will tell you that though that was one of my initial research questions, how I feel about that or what the answer to that is, is so much more complicated than just this is a good thing or this is a bad thing. I think a couple of things that are important to highlight when we talked earlier about the idea that like video games aren't real. I think NBA 2K is actually one of the best examples of like, well, it depends again on what you consider, you know, I'm using quotation figures. I know folks can't hear me, but real because of this idea that you just described, the fact that you can inhabit the body, the physical, you know, the virtual representation of LeBron James, of Steph Curry, of Candace Parker now, ever since 2019. But also you are able to generate a character either actually like yourself or idealized like somebody else, and then occupy the social spaces and socialize with other players, play and compete with other players with these avatars that you've generated. 2K has one of the most advanced avatar generators in any game, in any genre. And so that also makes it especially complicated from a standpoint of like race or even gender in a lot of ways. So yes, I would agree with everything that you said. A lot of what we're what, what I'm looking at are some of these questions of you know race and gender and, and how they're at play inside the game. And this dissertation, or I say this dissertation, your dissertation that, that you did at Arizona State has now expanded beyond that. And you're actively working on a book. Tell us about the book. What avenues are you going to go down in there? What are you looking at for that? Sure. I am really excited about the book. I have been working on a few other projects since I've arrived at Texas State, but I feel like it's a really great time for me now to carve out this, this time and focus on this book. I'm right now looking for publishers. I have someone that I think might be, you know, a right fit. So she and I are working together to see if this book proposal is something that they're looking to include. And we actually think there might be a few volumes. So realistically, we think the first one is probably going to interview NBA players and WNBA players about the role that 2K has in- That's interesting. In their lives, you know, and, and across the board for generations. So folks who maybe weren't, growing up with 2k because it kind of came around maybe when they were in college and you know or whatever the case may be but also some of that younger generation who are you know just rookies in the league and have grown up like don't remember a time maybe 2k is older than they are at this stage of the game so yeah i think the first volume is going to do a deep dive on the role that nba the, the nba 2k has played in the lives of nba and wnba players 
and ordinary users, I would imagine as well, eventually down the road in terms of other volumes that you'll start to interview people from different walks of life. That's what's so fascinating too about video games is you have the people that just play it and then you have the people that play it for money and for a living. I mean, that's yes. what a sample. Yes. So um, th what you're describing is a lot of what I was doing in my dissertation and plan to continue. But the more I got into 2K with my dissertation, the more I realized, whoop, you know, here's a research paper. Here's a whole book topic. And so what I'm trying to do now is break it down into more digestible pieces instead of this overview of the landscape, which is what I've done with my dissertation, to really start to break it down into pieces that, you know, resonate with more folks. And so exactly like you mentioned, I am interested in the experience of folks who stream live when they play and have a huge audience and following of folks who watch them when they play NBA 2K. I'm interested in the esports players that you described who are in the NBA 2K league. I mean, there is now an NBA 2K league and an NBA 2K G league. Wow. Right. And That's so crazy. I want to know about those folks as well. And so instead of just saying, you know, here's everything you need to know about 2K, it's too, it's too much of a, a beast to be able to just kind of include it all in one book, which is why we're looking now at the genre. So this first book, mainly because I want to leverage my contacts in the industry, eventually, right. you know, I'm going to be so far out that I don't have the capacity to get, you know, these contacts and, and do these interviews with these folks. So I'd really like to leverage my professional network right now and, and be able to get some of these interviews to, to tackle the one that I think is going to be the hardest to access the folks who I need to, to answer these questions. Yes, yeah, strike while the iron's hot with, mm -hmm. with, with those folks. And one thing that you mentioned that I, I picked up on, I used to play video games back in the day. It's been many years since I've played, but you mentioned that Candace Parker is in 2K and, and has been since 2019, I think is what you said. That's interesting too, because, you know, growing up playing video games, it was Major League Baseball, National Football League, college football, NBA was kind of on the periphery of video games. There weren't quite to that level, but the fact that they're introducing female players into a male-centric game that's that's also really interesting, I would imagine, to look at and see the dynamics there. Yeah, well, obviously a hot topic in sports is, you know, the difference in the coverage of women's sports and male and men's sports. And so if you if you think about it in its most simplest terms, we have a whole generation of folks who've grown up with sports video games and a whole generation of little girls who've been playing sports video games as men their entire lives. And so having, I mean, and the NBA 2K game was not the first to add female sports avatars. FIFA actually was pretty progressive as the women's national soccer team really started to gain steam. You know, they were kind of adding some of these. It was more so like adding in a team or, you know, six right. teams where the women could play against each other. But yeah, now in 2K, you're able to develop a female avatar. So in the same way that we talked about, you know, like racial tourism, if you will, virtual tourism, racial tourism, there's this gendered tourism that's happening in these games as well. First by little girls or women who wanted to play the games and were forced to, you know, create a male avatar. But now also with these female avatars, that also offers their male counterparts the ability to play as Candace Parker. One thing that I thought was especially interesting that came out of my dissertation work was I interviewed a professor and he was 
you know, I think 38, 39 at the time and had an 11 or 12 year old little boy who was really into NBA 2K. And he wanted to play with his dad all the time because his dad grew up playing NBA 2K. But to use it as a tool, the dad would only play with the son when they were playing in the WNBA feature because he wanted his son to learn about all those players, learn their names, understand their styles of play the same way that that little boy was invested in playing the NBA side of things. So I just thought that was so fascinating and not something that I could have anticipated, but definitely something I want to explore more if I can find other people who use this game as a tool for development, for example. And that all ties into sports viewership and coverage and all that, that if you have a generation of fans growing up with the appreciation for female athletes and the appreciation for the I say it like this, but it's the same sport, but the female sport, the female version of the sport, ultimately that can lead to greater appreciation, one would hope, uh, of female athletics and coverage of it, which we know has been lacking. But the numbers, when we see the, the ratings numbers, for example, from ESPN, it bears out that people want to watch women's sports. The Women's College World Series is one of the most popular events that ESPN has, the Women's World Cup, same deal. Right. People watch. I remember watching the the final in 1999 against China and the, you know, Brandy Chastain and all that kind of stuff. It was like, this is something new and it's exciting and it's fun to watch. And it's important. You know, I have two little girls and to sit down and watch the Women's College World Series with them. They're just like fascinated that there are girls playing these sports that are like baseball, you know. And so in that sense, that's important for the industry as a whole for its future. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like a broken record when I say I think part of the reason why we're not seeing a lot of coverage on the back end of women's sports is because we are not invested in women's sports on the front end at the grassroots level. And are we doing better? Like, I don't know. I would like to say yes, but I really don't know. But what I do know is that adding in these, these, this representation of like Candace Parker is an absolute warrior. I mean, she is a fantastic role model for anybody. Heart stop, you know, and so the idea um, that now little girls can get into these games and see themselves represented in these ways, it, it also, I mean, we're looking when I was I was talking earlier about the NBA 2K League. Well, I mean, in the seven or eight years that there have been drafts for the NBA 2K League, only two girls ever. But I mean, NBA 2K isn't a particularly safe an encouraging environment when they hear a female voice on the microphone or, you know, when they realize there's a girl on the team. And so I think some of these changes need to happen to be able to make some of these changes happen on the back end. And video games are no different than, you know, soccer, as you've just described, or the women's basketball final, the NCAA basketball final this year with as many viewers as it's had. So yeah, we got to start somewhere. And I'm hoping that some of this research will in some ways help with some of this. Yeah, fascinating and important stuff for sure for sports and the industry in general. Do you have a, an idea, like a, a time frame in terms of publication for the book? Uh, yes. Well, since I'm an assistant professor on the tenure track, I would like to think that I have this book published <laughs> before I go up for tenure. So, I mean, I'm not in a rush. I am a broadcast professional. And so writing takes a lot of my time and capacity. I really want to do this well. I think I really respect the NBA, the WNBA, NBA 2K. And if I'm going to, you know, put my like voice 
in here, I want to make sure that I really do it justice. So I would say two years from now, I would like to have this book published and on a shelf somewhere and available. Because I'm doing the volumes, I might be able to do it a little bit quicker, maybe in an 18 month turnaround and maybe be working on my second book 24 months from now. But I also want to give myself a little bit of grace because as you know, Dan here, there's always something popping up with the students project or so yeah I would say two years maximum and I've got it out and ready to go well that's great and you're very busy um you just came back from the BEA Broadcast Educators Association convention in Las Vegas you were on three panels there you work very closely with the ESPN production here at Texas State helping students get prepared for that and be contributors to that And you're also developing a video game lab in the School of Journalism and Mass Communication. I'll open it up to you on any of those three things that you'd like to talk about to tell us what your involvement is and and what your life is like doing all this stuff. Well, the one I want to talk about most is you said that you used to play, but you don't play anymore. Well, you've also already told them that we share a wall. So that means that you are steps away from the sports video games (laughs) lab, my friend. And we can get you right back up on that horse anytime you want to. So I'm just putting that out there. Tech Mobile, RBI Baseball, that's that's kind of my vintage. Cool. Well, would love to do a paper (laughs) on it with you. Everybody who's listening has heard me say it. But yeah, the Video Games Lab is really just a spot where I want to have the space where I can go in and if there's a, you know, really plaguing question between myself and a colleague because I'm trying to describe this and she may be understanding that, we can go in and kind of navigate through that. I would also like to think that eventually I'm able to use it for, you know, quasi-experiment type of research as well, where we bring folks in and, you know, we have them play and we take notes or, you know, we have them play against somebody else. And so, yeah, it's certainly evolving. We've just got it up and running. So we've got a PS5 in there, an Xbox Series X. We also have a Switch, a PS4. We're hoping to get some more like retro type games, like that NES that we were talking about. I'd love to start doing a little bit of research on some of those more kind of old school, if you will, right. games. The linear games. You don't get yeah. to pick. It's just, it's there. Yeah. Exactly right. If I could find one of those Nintendo pads, Dan, I'd have you in there sprinting on it and seeing, you know, what we could come up with out of that. But yeah, the Video Games Lab is just a spot where on campus I can access some of these spaces that I need to access for my research. And the hope is that we can also encourage students to kind of come and go from that space as well. So yeah, that's the Video Games Lab. And then what were the other things? I feel like it's hard to keep track. You're working with ESPN here on campus as well with our students and the production with athletics, which is a huge deal. It's a massive deal with the Sunbelt Conference. All the schools broadcast every sporting event. Yeah, so we've been really lucky. The athletics department here has been super gracious in helping us, you know, get those real world opportunities for our students. And so the the athletics department has basically just opened its arms to our students to be able to go over there, train on their cameras, train in their control room, be a part of those live broadcasts. As I mentioned earlier in our chat, Dan, for me, one of the key factors for me and kind of unlocking the door to what I think has been really fun and fulfilling career in sports media was working on the live broadcast at Troy University. That happened as a result of, you know, getting a couple of opportunities through networking and then really growing my skill set. So I really firmly believe that if a student is interested in working in live broadcast or in sports in general, 
at the collegiate level, they've really got to try to seize as many possible experiences as they can, because if they don't do it here, it's really hard to imagine that they're going to be able to create those opportunities for themselves, you know, building off of very little experience. And so we've been so lucky that the athletics department has been able to create those opportunities for our students. And we want to continue to train them so that they can best support the athletics department when they're doing those live broadcasts. Well, as you can tell, Allie is very, very busy with everything that she has going on. And she does a wonderful job in all the aspects that she does. And she works incredibly hard. And she's one of, not one of these people that is in her office much because she's always <laughs> out doing doing stuff, believe me, I know is her next door neighbor. She's here, there and everywhere constantly. So Dr. Allie Forbes, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, Dan, this was so fun. Thank you for inviting me. And thank you all for listening and downloading this episode of Big Ideas. We'll be back next month with a new episode. Until then, stay well and stay informed. Big Ideas TXST is a presentation of Texas State University. Subscribe to experience more innovative, thought-provoking content. If you like what you hear, consider leaving us a starred review, five if possible. The views expressed during this program are those of the individual participants and do not necessarily represent those of the university. Big Ideas is hosted by Daniel Seed, produced by Jamie Bloschke. Strategic consultant is Kelly Raz.